Yes, it has. An episode I've anticipated and excited for. This one is uh, almost a no-brainer for us uh, because it's it's something you've actually already heard. If you're listening to this episode, you've already heard a part of this movie. You hear this every time you've listened to us. Yeah, we are uh, a bit of uh, psychos when it comes to this. And we are Eric. And I'm Charlie. Yes. And we're here to talk about Stop Making Sense. Stop Making Sense. Stop Making Sense. Oh. And yes, as Charlie was saying, you hear this every time you cue us up. Yep. I got a tape I want to play, yeah. And oh. uh, yeah, that's David Byrne walking out to uh, a mild applause, uh, a semi-enthusiastic applause uh, of a crowd that has no idea what it's in for. No. A crowd that would be just people leave looking just fully entranced. It was like people had been saved mm-hmm. at the end of this. And as he comes out, it's just this mild like. It is, yeah. Hey, well, they're like, fans. I mean, they know they're here for a Talking Heads concert, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a concert movie from the eighties, nineteen eighty four, directed by Jonathan Demme, and it's David Byrne and yeah, the Talking Heads and. He comes out with uh, not even really a backdrop or anything. It's just like yeah. the bare bones of this theater stage. And it's just him with a little tiny boombox and a guitar. And he uh, presses play. And things just, and just it, the thing just builds thing just from evolves. there. Yeah. And it is, it is my favorite piece of recorded music. Mm. It is the pure joys of music. You know, the purest joy of making and performing music is just captured for 90 minutes. It is one of my absolute favorite things in the world. I love it so much. Absolutely. And you got it uh, on the big screen recently. Because, I did. Uh, you uh, I convinced Neil <laughs> somehow <laughs> to uh, put this as a uh, film in the cult series that we go to often. And yeah, we saw it just, uh, just last night. Just last night on the big oh. screen. And with the sound turned up, thank you, Neil. It was, oh, it was great. Before before we get into our wonderful experience, uh, I'm I'm kind of interested in what your history is with this. Like when you first heard of it as even a film. Um, geez, as a film, I definitely knew it existed as a concert film, and I knew who Jonathan Demi was, kind of uh, maybe as a teenager or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really grew up listening to the talking heads. I got into them mm-hmm. in my twenties. Um, had never seen it until we saw it together. Oh, that was your first time. Uh, uh, yeah. We saw it? it together. What? Maybe two years ago, two or three couple probably. years ago now. Yeah. And, uh, I had listened to the soundtrack, uh, at that point and was familiar enough with most of the songs, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, seeing it actually unfold, I had no idea what was coming. Yeah. And uh, it takes a lot of kind of unexpected twists and turns, which sounds weird (laughs) for a concert movie because it's just people playing music on stage, right? Yeah. But not quite. It's it's a very 
choreographed, precise production. And uh, it says something in the opening credits to the effect of conceived of for the stage by David Byrne, because yeah. this is very much a conceptual Yeah, it's a production. It's, a, it's performance art beyond yeah. just being live music. So seeing it last night... Um, it was a bit of a small crowd, but it was an enthusiastic crowd. Whenever I've seen it in a theater, it's it it's sadly been a small-ish crowd, like mm-hmm. 30 people. Yeah. Which is, I think, uh, when I saw it a couple of years ago in a theater, it was about 30 mm-hmm. on a you know Saturday afternoon. And uh, here we got 30, an older, older crowd. Older crowd. Um, what's your history? Do you have a a, I, a past? I did the stop making sense. So I knew the Talking Heads, you know, just from radio stuff, and seeing the burning down the house video got pretty frequent. Right, airplay. Uh, that uh, yeah, that one song. Um, you know, this is not my wife. This yeah, is not yeah, my house. once in a life. Yeah, Man, heard that a lot on the radio mm-hmm. growing up for sure. Yeah, yeah, we listen to you know alternative radio, so I knew the Talking Heads and. Uh, we didn't, we didn't have cable as, uh, you know, growing up. And so we only had six or seven channels. Mm-hmm. So I watched a lot of like PBS because it was one of the <laughs> oh, sure. few options I had. Um, we just had an antenna and they showed stop making sense on, you know, PBS would show cool stuff, that's Doctor true. Who yeah. episodes, and that's where I saw 2001, A Space Odyssey mm. for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, they showed, and then stuff like Mr. Bean, right. PBS was uh, pretty cool when you were a kid, let me I, tell you. They still are. Yeah. Right? PBS is cool, folks. Yeah. You heard it we're here. We're here to tell you, <laughs> get with the cool kids and watch that public broadcasting <laughs> system. So, so they just showed Stop Making Sense, because... They recognized it clearly as like a performance art. Sure. And I didn't know what it was, and I don't even know if I caught it from the middle. I don't remember when I mm. saw it, mm-hmm. but it was just a flipping through channels on a Saturday kind of thing. And what? <laughs> like, I, and so I knew who they were, but I, I don't think I'd really seen them. I definitely never seen them perform mm-hmm. outside of just appearing in music videos. Right. And so I was. I was pretty amazed because I had not really heard of it as a important movie. I had only become familiar with it by chance. Mm-hmm. And so then years you know, later when I was older and read stuff, you see it pop up on greatest music films of all time. And so it's like I, I experienced it and thought it was super cool before I realized, oh, everybody just thinks this is great. <laughs> it's pretty universally loved. Yeah, yeah, it's got something like a 97% you know kind of it's approval rating we talked were. about this earlier about just how it's a thing that i don't see possible to hate almost any movie that i that i like somebody could just be like i was turned off by the violence mm. and it's like no okay sure like sure like there's something what could you be turned off about <laughs> this movie it's what a joyous part experience. It? Like yeah. it is the most fun, like loving, passionate thing. And I just don't I just don't know if there's a thing to hate about it. It seems undeniable, especially because it's also just catchy and exciting music and whether you're even into that kind of music or not, you can't deny. Yeah, this and, is And I don't think anybody was sitting still last night. No, that's the great thing. While they were watching this movie. It feels like a movie where 
anybody seeing this movie, their opinion of the talking heads cannot get worse. Mm-hmm. Whatever they're uh, like, it's impossible, right? It has to be. Who could come out of that being like, you know, I liked him on album, but seeing it, nah. Maybe someone who's like really obsessive about fitting clothes uh, <laughs> yeah the wardrobe let me tell you one thing i hate <laughs> but it's just if if no matter what your relationship with the talking heads is like i uh just the other day lent the dvd of it to my boss mm-hmm. who is a 60 year old woman who has never heard of the talking heads but she heard me talking about it with somebody else saying that i was going to attend it and she was instantly interested just because mm. When she heard the kind of praise I was heaping Whoa. around it. And so... You're just yelling about the office. I just... I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> the whole day at the office waiting for the evening. Ugh. <laughs> took forever. It was awful. Long day. Oh, I was just wolfing down kids' Halloween candy M&Ms <laughs> that my coworkers have brought in. Just ter- so stressful waiting for it. Mm-hmm. But I love that feeling of people going in no matter their familiarity with the band and just not expecting what you're going to get because mm-hmm. nobody could expect this show. It was, it's just so special and so unique and so fun. And I think everybody that we've watched it with their, their fandom for the talking heads has increased notably. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and it's not like we're, I mean, I don't consider myself a fan of concert films in particular. Sure. There's maybe yeah, a handful that I would say that I like. But, um, yeah, to say that a concert film is just this amazing uh, cinematic experience seems weird. But it is. It really is. And It's, it's genuinely it's, uh, powerful Yeah, to me. It starts out with just David Byrne by himself, you know, but then... Uh, the band forms around him song by song. It builds up. The The stage crew is, is bringing sets out. And yeah, and the way it builds, and um, I don't know, and David Byrne especially, he's just got this piercing kind of gaze that oh, he's yeah. got from the very beginning, the opening second. It is and the one camera of the most, is just, boom, right on him. It's one of the most assured performances mm-hmm. I've ever seen. For all the deserved hype, um that the Freddie Mercury performance gets at Live Aid. Sure. Which is an amazing and powerful musical performance. Just, you know, just, it's undeniable. David Byrne does that for three and a half to four times the length Uh of that Live Aid performance. David Byrne is on for almost 90 minutes Mm -hmm. in a way that nobody else has been on. But the thing is, every person that gets added to this stage is on. Mm -hmm. This is one of the tightest, most fascinating, and most joyous performances of any kind of entertainment that I've ever seen. It's insane. It's like the best. It is. And uh, (laughs) I was the thing that struck me watching it last night is... um, how just free of any kind of pretension or ego or rock star kind of quality that you would assume a band has. You know, the the members each come out, kind of do their thing. They, they give a little wave or whatever, but it's all like family more yeah. than a band on stage. And you really get that sense watching uh, the bassist Tina 
uh, play along and watch. And and then, you know, you start adding these backup singers and these other people that aren't necessarily even, you know, in the band, but they're on the tour. Yeah. But they're all in line. Everyone, it's like, chore- it's choreographed, but it feels natural. Yeah. And the energy feels natural, even when they're kind of running in place and doing these obvious kind of uh, steps and moves that they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're doing it with just such a, just a huge enthusiasm and joy and it's the energy and the passion is infectious totally is and i love there's so many great loud moments and so many great quiet moments and you mentioned i love how many hmm, i guess kind of close-ups we get of them looking at each other Mm -hmm. there are it, it just really captures this idea of this group communicative performance right that still feels almost chaotic the whole time the music can get chaotic and you've got uh all these keyboards and synthesizer effects going off and the beats are all these kind of like ding 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 frantic chasing beats but it's all so in step and everyone is so in step and even when there's this kind of funny choreography about like having to trip over crew members as they're setting up your pedal board and stuff it's all obviously exactly how it's supposed to go but it's uh it's a it's a front to back conceived performance that the whole time comes off organic and loose yeah even though you know it's planned to the back end like every part of this is like you can't accidentally fall into what this movie is i can only imagine the levels of hell that david byrne <laughs> yeah. put the the band through to yeah. achieve this be- no but <laughs> this is a no this was a dedicated focused performance mm-hmm. this is like as intense as you know lord of the dance the, the kind of cohesion it looked just as tiring they're running in place for yeah. song after song david byrne is running around the stage at one point <laughs> And uh, just jogging through, yeah. you know, when he's not singing. And then he has to get back to the mic and just barely makes it back. And, yeah, it's it looked exhausting. The uh, So this was this was your first time seeing it in the theater. Yeah, right? definitely. We've Once we watched it with a group, uh, I'm pretty sure we've watched it at least a couple times since. Um, just like so, at least once. I remember maybe one other time, yeah. Where we just watched it uh, again. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a month and a half this, later. That, that's what hanging out with Eric is like. Just about every other month, he's like, got to throw that stop making sense on, right? Yeah. Gotta just to uh, get back to that. All right. the urge to uh, stop making <laughs> sense again, uh, you know. No, but it's I, it's something where you could, you know, I when I had the tape of the soundtrack, it was definitely on repeat in my car stereo um, What's, back in the day. But yeah. This is, uh, so like I was saying about people becoming talking heads fans because of this Mm -hmm. which again to me just seems impossible not to see it's the biggest advertisement for a peak of an amazing band i've ever seen but i uh i just love the whole front to back of evolution of this thing Mm -hmm. it's such an amazing crafted performance that i just can't even understand the scope of the brilliance of it i am i'm blowing this movie up so much i can't help it i can't help it it seems like such a perfect artistic achievement well what do you think it is um what what is that artistry like beyond this just being a collection of you know 15 16 songs Mm -hmm. um there 
seems to be a narrative that could be conceived of. What, what are you yeah. seeing there? Like, <laughs> So I remember one of the times we watched it. Yeah. And I became, you know, I'm, I've kind of gone through periods of being obsessed with this movie just because it's so, <laughs> it's such an admirable performance, you know, such a, wow, this is, this is what we can do as entertainers. This is possible. <laughs> you know, it's so cool. And it's just so much fun. And I, yeah, I, I've watched it so many times that I just kind of started talking to you about, uh. You remember this? Yeah, Where I was talking yeah. to you about this I'm, narrative thread I'm to, throughout yeah. the uh, I'm trying throughout to lead the movie. you into yeah. this thing, you dummy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, playing dumb. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I swear. No, um, I love how it starts out with just him, and it's mm. really you know paints this picture of like a guy with his ideas and his weird uh, approach to music. The whole first five minutes of this is really important. That psycho killer performance with him playing the tape, which I'm sure was just piped in through the stadium and uh I think just we, an accident yeah. waiting to happen basically it's, it's uh, a whole yeah. choreographed routine that could easily be messed up well so much of that too because there's all this equipment being brought on stage like during the performance yeah you you better i mean obviously they tested it beforehand but you better be sure it's still plugged in ready to go yeah yeah there's so much you can easily get out there and your guitar just doesn't work <laughs> you know people it's when the adding musicians like that and just this first five minutes that establish this fun enraptured tone of the Mm -hmm. movie Mm -hmm. that cut to where david burns suddenly walking towards the camera is suddenly uh that feeling of like you're watching a movie it's a performance but it's so cinematic in a lot of ways it feels like a performance in a movie right you know not just a recorded performance well absolutely in the way Jonathan Demme's capturing these people on camera and sweeping across the stage, getting really close up, having him break that fourth wall, having the camera on the stage with yeah. him. And then all of a sudden you feel like, yeah, you're part of the action. You're kind of invited to be on, you know, part of this journey, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. And- it really puts you there. And, and the big being on the big screen helps, helps me and, and really made me look at this narrative. And I love this idea of a guy, David Byrne, starting out with ideas and then the other pieces kept getting added. And it's really perfect because the band is such a complementary unit. Mm-hmm. It's not David Byrne and three lesser people. This is a collaborative band. You know, yeah, they were, well, they're were they all incredibly talented. Tina Weymouth is one of my favorite bassists. And her bass playing in this movie, like, just seeing the effort and the inventive lines she comes up with and seeing how much fun she's having doing it. It's just that's this movie just evolves into people playing passionately about music. Right. And, and that's how the story just hits peak joy four songs in once they have all four of the original members. And it's immediately this just like up tempo, like country uh, mm-hmm. galloping, rocking tune. And they just have so much fun. And it's just like, man, these people at one point when they were starting to play music 10 years earlier. We're getting together to play this music for fun. They didn't have any visions of doing this performed stage art, you know? Right. And I love how the story of of the concert keeps evolving into them. As they get more successful, the band gets bigger and bigger, and things get more 
expensive looking <laughs> and the performances themselves get bigger and the exhaustion starts stepping in you know you can they're running in place like they're just going through this intense grind to mm. get to this huge level of fame and then we even get into the big tent revival moment when david byrne becomes a revival gospel preacher and yeah. turns once in a lifetime into like a baptismal event uh-huh puts on the preacher glasses yeah he gets the hands up i right. mean we are going through this whole crazy story and then i love the peak of like pop fame where david byrne disappears and you get the side gig band who's who's unique and catchy and poppy in a totally different way that some could you know perceive as a sellout mm -hmm. if they are a joyless sack of crap it's the tom tom club y'all the tom tom club scene in stop making sense is such the peak weird of fame where you know that to me feels like a band like modest mouse who went 10 years as this highly respected band mm. kind of has this big oh suddenly children know who right Modest Mouse is. you know it's, have it's their float on moment or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah so suddenly the tom tom club has this like kind of novelty hit Tom Tom Club is almost like if Weird Al got a like charting hit, you know, a top right. 40 hit kind of thing. Uh, it was kind of a novelty that became one of the catchiest songs, pop tunes in history, you know. Is Can I talk about Chris France yet, the drummer? <laughs> I think we got to save the France chat. Okay. I think we got to do Chris France as an extra episode. Yeah. I just, uh, I just, I think we could, we could get to. It's Let's all, do it's all Chris positive. France. It's all positive. It's all positive. Now, <laughs> you, you have a complicated history with Chris France. Well, the first time I saw this movie, <laughs> let's get into Chris France. I hated the the Tom Tom Club sequence. I didn't get it. It felt like the tone shifted too dramatically. <laughs> You're not alone in that. And I blame Chris France because, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Watching this movie, uh, this second, uh, this this uh, third, what fourth, whatever time uh, on the big screen though, I was looking at the wardrobe a lot more and mm -hmm. how Tina comes out with kind of this uh, jumpsuit looking, her big dark cargo gray jumper, big cargo uh, thing. Uh, Jerry Harrison kind of has a similar like jumpsuit, dark gray. They look like kind of weird Top Gun. Outfits. Yeah, they look. Yeah, they look like they're <laughs> uh, soldiers a bit in the yeah. in the musical uh, you know yeah. front. Chris France comes out in a teal green <laughs> like a turquoise polo shirt. Polo shirt and yeah, like khaki Khakis, pants. Khaki pants with his big feathery kind of mullet, just waving yeah. to people. I just was like, "Is this dude for real?" His silly grin. I couldn't he's believe like, him. He's he's such a he's such a fun dad. He's a dad. He's, he's a, a fun he's dad, like dad playing the, the drums. Group, right? Yeah, exactly. He's the dad of the group. He's such a different completely 100% different tone than a lot of the people. Right. But, uh... uh yeah, and then, as soon as uh, this TomTom uh, Tom Club song starts up, Chris France turns into this DJ hype man. <laughs> it's, it's it's a confusing scene, I think, for some people. I was, it's I was confused, right? I'm the confused person who yeah. was confused, yes. Uh, and he's yelling things out throughout the check song it out. check it out y'all most things have y'all at the end of them uh <laughs> girls can do it too the girls can do it too y'all and the one that killed me was when he just starts name checking james brown you love the james brown moment see now you 
Uh, I mean, I loved it the second time. Did you know the <laughs> Did you know the song "Genius of Love" before watching "Stop Making Sense"? Uh, what was I mean, your familiarity heard, with that? I had heard it. I knew that that or you, riff, you knew that the beat. riff from the like the Mariah Carey song. Yeah, I'm a big Mariah Carey yeah, big, fan. Yeah, I was a big, big fan. Look, no, but we that, all have heard fantasy that, a lot. Uh, that boop. Boop, 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 boop. That's yeah. pretty ubiquitous. You've heard it somewhere in a commercial. Mm-hmm. It's you know a Target commercial or something, probably right. And uh, yeah, it's a song that's that's been around. It's made money. But I think just him talking at all was bothering me. And because he like, talk, he that's in the song. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Because <laughs> he talks <laughs> in the song. And obviously, I know David Bird let him do this. <laughs> or it's part of the show. Like it's not like I I just kind of imagine like David Bird having this whole plan. <laughs> song after song and france just being like come on man let the tom tom club get in you gotta there, get in there one time we man the song you know you then, know and then we we'll give it back weekend. and then i'll just say that's it for the tom tom club <laughs> now we're back to the talking heads in the middle of the concert so everyone knows that we're back to the talking heads that to me was the only it just it's so out of left field all of a sudden this different band is it is the same people but different band playing so apparently that's it that's my at the at the live showings the tom tom club would do uh a few songs Mm. but makes sense but i I get it they also weren't aware that the songs were gonna be used in the movie apparently Mm. that was jonathan demi's choice so just having that song at all Having any Tom Tom Club at all Got it. was Jonathan Demi's choice, and the band did not like it, but later uh, changed their mind. Wow. See, I feel vindicated now because <laughs> the band had the same reaction that I did. Didn't like it at first, came around, now it's good. So I brought it up. Pretty much the same thing. I love it. Because you went in to the viewing last night even. Even joking that you're like, yeah, I think I'm gonna get a beer. During, I know when, uh, yeah, I know when my bathroom break's coming. Yeah. yeah, and that's after having seen it like three times now. <laughs> so you were like a late convert. You were still maybe if you were liking it I more, still, you were. I still, mean, I could do without. You could still. If could I have to drop one, it's that just because it's such a jarring. Like the light, the lights are different. You know, before that. The lighting is like dark and and spotlights and and uh, you know mm-hmm. reds and blues in the backdrop and everything. And then this thing comes up and it's like the bad kind of colorful graffiti backdrop look and everything was just too bright. All of that a was sudden. their uh, that was their album cover. Yeah. So yeah. just the whole thing is a very jarring uh, counterpoint. We got please. a strobe light with Chris France going psychedelic and funkadelic. <laughs> So yeah, I think I we know. Uh, I concede. Yeah. Um, but no, the yeah. the line that you have not heard, and I will say, the audio in the theater is different than the audio at home. I, Interesting. I have not been able to replicate specifically on because of the surround the, sound effect. You mean? Uh, I just don't know which channel. I haven't had the sound. I just can't figure it out. Gotcha. Any combo because. When I saw the first time I saw Stop Making Sense in the theater, his line, which I love, when he's doing another one of his James Brown riffs, James Brown, and he goes, He still is the godfather of soul. So check him out, y'all. Check him out. Yeah, he's just putting Literally. it in a like, No, you guys should check him out. He's really good. You heard it, James Brown? And it's 
when I saw it in the theater, it's a really loud line. It and I was. can't get it as loud on the other mixes. The other mixes have music too loud over it. And so you can hear it, but you really have to be listening. But so I knew in the theater, I was like, oh, it's, it's going to be so loud. And let me say, you mentioned it earlier, they had the volume up so loud. Neil is a legend for this. Yes. They turned it up big time. I, I don't usually want a loud movie. This is the movie that I want the loudest mm-hmm. of anything. It it gets better the louder it is because it is so hypnotizing. Yeah, and it sounded great. I mean, usually if a movie uh, is too loud, the high ends are ear piercing yeah. or it gets too muddy or whatever, right? You know, whatever whatever uh, mix that their uh, copy was that oh. he was able to get, it sounded It sounded great. incredible. It sounded like it was specifically made to be played in a theater. Yeah, I'd be curious. Uh, they, it didn't look like it was like a DVD. It actually did look like a film, but I, they don't have actual film projectors in those theaters anymore. No. It's all I, digital. I'm pretty sure. The, I mean, but it wasn't just like an off-the-shelf DVD. This was like some Yeah, it felt more than just the Blu-ray release. Right, I mean, exactly. I have the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray looks great. But it does not look like this is the greatest way to see it. Yeah. So they, there has to be a specific kind of way they show it in a theater. But yeah, you even the crowd noise. You could hear like mm-hmm. the crowd cheering behind us. And as we were hoping. Right. It made the crowd in the theater also cheer as if we were at a concert. It it really did feel like we were at the concert <laughs> yeah. when we were watching it, even though that's we're why sitting in, in the theater. That's so why immersive. It's the best. Yeah, we got these great seats right in the middle, and and yeah, I think even after the first or maybe second song, I leaned to you. I was like, I feel like I should be clapping. After yeah, this these feels songs. like I'm doing it a disservice. And then I think the next song, uh, people were clapping at the end of the song. I was like, Yes, we are going to clap. We are, and then yeah, yeah we pretty much. And then from there, people we, were like hooting and hollering too. Oh yeah, there was some it was big old enthusiastic. I and I was uh, it was a good crowd. Good crowd. And every time I've seen it in a theater, it's a good crowd. Yeah. It is the it's the best way to I see. I mean, it. we're not the only people who love this movie, obviously. Yeah, this is not a unique opinion. <laughs> Again, this feels like a u- a thing that is we're, universally We're preaching loved. to the choir here, but Did you I love it's it's one of those it's worth that's celebrating. like you said it's like on Rotten Tomatoes like 97%. Something like, like that. Like the way Godfather 2 is at 97%. Yeah. There's one guy that's just like you know, I've seen a Godfather. Not as good as the first one. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> stop making sense. If it's anything other than 100, I think we have to find out if that guy has a who's only complaint. Yeah, who's only sort of into it, right? <laughs> what critic is bringing this down? A little down? bit too long. Didn't like the suit. It wasn't my favorite. Yeah, the suit. Yeah, okay. So, after Offended the Offended Tom- by the suit. Let, time to talk about the suit. After the Tom Tom Club, David Burton comes out. In a suit that four sizes too big, forty sizes too big. Yeah. It was it's it's a giant uh, suit coat, and it actually looks like a cartoon, but it's a real man, and he's really dancing, and he's still got the moves. His dancing is. His dancing I mean, like I said, when I keep using the word joy, and this sounds, <laughs> this is gonna sound intense. Bring it on. Buckle in. <laughs> This movie is such a source of joy for me. It's a movie that I can actually say has been a genuinely positive force on my life. Mm. If that sounds too intense about the movie. That's why I, it's the movie that I have no idea how to rank 
within my other list of uh, beloved movies because no movie affects me the exact same way that Stop Making Sense affects me. You know, I don't I don't get the same exact level of pleasure. Right. From another movie. It's it's so unique. I had I mean, if you want to be given intense thoughts, I, I definitely had this the notion of life affirming watching the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like it. It's like a it, celebration it makes, of life. Yeah. This it, whole it, thing it, on it the makes stage. you understand all the good parts about the fact that we get to experience stuff like this. Yes. Right, it yeah. highlights the best of humans. Yeah, even and and it's why I love right at the end when we finally get actual shot close up shots of attendees. Sure, we'd seen the crowd a little bit, but the crowd's mostly out of this. Mm-hmm. I like the way that they, the few moments they choose to let the crowd intrude, like when we saw the backs of people's heads for the first time, right. because people were it was a seated theater. And people were starting to stand up mm-hmm. because they couldn't help it. Yeah. And then you suddenly see heads in the way the camera and the cameras have to adjust. All the heads it. are moving. Yeah. And it it is one of those where it's such a smart choice of all these close-ups and then you pull back to see the what the band has become. And uh-huh. yeah, you're seeing the energy. The, and then, yeah. The, the, the evolution of the movie and the story is so fun. And I love, yeah, just the first time anybody sees it, I took my sister to it uh, mm-hmm. when it was playing in Phoenix. And she didn't know anything about it. She knew popular singles from the Talking sure. Heads. You know, right. she knew as Once much in a as Lifetime. She, would. Burn, she knew, she knew the, the recognizable stuff. Yeah. Um, but she had never seen them perform and didn't know. She might have been able to recognize David Byrne. She had, actually, not, she had not heard like the film's reputation. That, she or, actually or has a really great relationship to one specific David Byrne song. The okay. only reason she knew this man. So when she was in high school, she took some uh, video production uh, PowerPoint kind of class. Sure, you know? sure. And... For some reason, the software came. You know how software comes just loaded with occasional like videos or something that you'll never lose. Like you, sure, you open right. up iTunes and it has a random like Nena Cherry song. <laughs> like, oh, <what?" laughs> like okay, right? It's like a Phantom Planet song and like a Nena Cherry song. And you're like, oh, it just came with those two songs. That's weird. You know, there's always something like that in some program. So this like. PowerPoint or whatever the hell video program this was came with one David Byrne song. Oh, nice. <laughs> and so every kid's presentation <laughs> <laughs> this one oh, no. David Byrne song. I see where this is going. And it became such an uncontrollable inside joke amongst one group of teens that it became this like weird religion that every kid would use this one <laughs> David Byrne song and the director. <laughs> oh my god, that's so stupid! It's so dumb, <laughs> but it's so joyous. The dumbest. And so the teacher would got so upset. Said the next kid that uses this David Byrne song <laughs> is an automatic F. Oh my god, this was like after the third warning to not use the David Byrne song. So that's my sister's Man. relationship with David Byrne going into Stop Making Sense. It's like a teacher who's already 
on the brink because yeah. he's teaching a high school Photoshop a falling, class. A falling down situation <laughs> where it's like, on his last all nerves. I wanted was no more David Burns song. Do you remember the song? What song was I that? I don't remember. It was from oh, some, uh, it would have been from like a 1996 uh, solo oh, album. Oh, okay. Uh, I forget the name of the album. That's but, funny. Uh, it got a campaign. And yeah, it was like this drum intro and the drums would start and the class would lose it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just like the same joy that uh, comes when Paul Rudd shows the wheelchair clip from Mac and Me on oh, Conan. Uh, I, yes. Every I time he that. plays a clip, he's played it like 45 times of the same clip. And they'll play it again later. Mm-hmm. It's the same joke every time. Never gets old. The same punchline every time. And it's just, that's, that's that great. This, this David Byrne joke was their Mac and Me joke. Oh, oh, man. So, yeah, but my sister, as everybody gets added, and you say you keep cutting these beautiful cutaways, mm-hmm. so you actually get to see what the band's becoming. And uh, it's, it hooks so deeply once, like I said, once David Byrne is walking towards the camera during Psycho Killer, and once he's stumbling on the stage and that, you know, you're like, oh, they're doing a show here. Right. You're already getting into this and it's already feeling like a movie. And then right away, the second song, Heaven, is one of my top five favorites in the whole movie. It's mm. 15 or 16 songs. Uh, I bet we could do by the end of this. Could we do a top five? I think we're each going to have to give our top five yeah. Yeah, from the movie for sure. A ranked five? Cause, I'll, cause, I'll rank him as best I can. Yeah. Yeah. And these rankings can change by the end of this. Hey guys, episode. I'm under no legal obligation <laughs> yeah. with these rankings. You're not right? responsible for any the of these. The opinions things. of my rankings do not necessarily but, reflect. <laughs> but the movie evolves, and then by every every song gets a new member added, and I love the way the crew's pushing out all these. Like you keep getting more. Like there's you keep finding more presents on Christmas, right? You totally. know, and. Uh, Suddenly we got, you know, a couple of the Brides of Funkenstein coming out. Oh, and we man. got uh you got your Bernie. boy Bernie Warrell. Who you, got... you were Bernie Warrell is your only weird vibe in this movie. Bernie huh? I didn't like the way he was looking. You don't at me. trust this dude. No, he's oh man, his outfit was I was like, where do I get the sleeveless zip up sweatshirt like workout? <laughs> I think hoodie. you just got to cut your sleeves off a hoodie and then also cut the hood off your hoodie. Those were definitely pre-cut sleeves. No, they were. They were. That was amazing. It but came that way. He, Yeah, he was really eye-fucking the camera <laughs> throughout Stop Making Sense. There was sense. lip licking, too. There, It was, yeah. It, I was a very His tongue was out on I was a very uncomfortable. Uh, but no, actually, this time watching it, I fell deeply, deeply in love with both Lynn Mabry and uh, Edna Holt, the yeah. backup singers. They're so They're so wonderful. I mean, it's one of those where it's like, if you could go back in time, I would go and like meet them and just be friends yes. with them. Because I was like, I want to hang out with these I would, women. I would just, just follow they were Lynn, just so fun. Lynn Mabry. And they're it just, I don't know, everybody, everybody is so open and just having so much fun yeah. that uh, you just want to be there with them doing it. And it sounds silly, but that's, uh, that's Lynn Mabry, yeah, she was in this. So we get some Parliament Funkadelic uh association here funkadelic and psychedelic yeah we so you know there's several members of the uh associated parliament p-funk yeah Yeah. 
And Lynn Mabry was in this group called The Brides of Funkenstein. I love it. Who did backup vocals on Parliament and Funkadelic. Sure, yeah. And then, but George Clinton also wrote them two solo records. Hmm. And the solo records of The Brides of Funkenstein are the best. Nice. Never I can by, only imagine. They're, yeah. The best one is called Never Buy Texas from a Cowboy. <laughs> and it has the like 16 minute disco title track. Never buy Texas wow. from a cowboy. I got These are like out. disco epics. And so seeing this side of her, it's like, oh, so she's just the greatest human. But then it's impossible because sometimes she's standing right next to Tina Weymouth, who's mm. clearly the greatest human being. Right. Absolutely. But you you talked earlier about, you know, some of the close ups and the looks of people. I love just the adoration and the warmth in some of these glances that we see the band making. You see Tina Weymouth looking back at her husband, your boy Chris Franz. Yeah. Trust me, when I learned that they were married, I was like, him? (laughs) No. (laughs) Polo shirt. Okay. All right. What is he, funny? or (laughs) What's this guy's deal? No. uh... I mean, obviously he's funny. We got to see his whole routine. And he appreciates the godfather of soul. We know that. You should check him out. Check him I think out. you'd really like him. Check him out. No. <laughs> but her glances back at him, or her, like, she has, you know, kind of loving glances at David Byrne. Like, she's kind of looking over, enjoying seeing him being David Byrne. Exactly. And, <laughs> I mean, probably the same glances we're giving him as we're watching the movie. We oh, just yeah. don't know it. Because, yeah, he is this kind of fluid, moving, almost <laughs> yeah. looks like a puppet. I mean, he's kind of playing this puppet on a string act. Uh, yeah. And it feels I, like Mar- Marcel Marceau level kind of, right. you know, body art. Yeah, he's got this kind of cool, lanky, tall body. And he, he just, yeah, he knows how to move around. And, he, he knows how to use movement. And even, he's interacting with the backup vocalists. And, yeah, everybody's... E- uh, even in Psycho Killer, before he even starts the excellent stumbling routine, when you realize this is not just some of the greatest music ever made, it's a whole Buster Keaton routine. Exactly, yeah. He, even before he starts the stumbling, stuttering, skipping tape routine... He does. He's walking away from the the stage for the first time, mm-hmm. and he does this little like kind of leg kick, this like Fred Astaire kind of like skipping leg kick mm-hmm. off to the side. And it's just like this is a guy who understood the importance of movement and the kind of personality of movement that can be displayed in this kind of performance. Right, and it just it's immediately like I said before hypnotizing, and. The whole band, the more they come out, the more kind of powerful this music becomes. And you just see this sync, uh, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. You just, everybody is moving in step with mm-hmm. each other for this whole thing. Right. When they're, they're throwing in variations on the theme, and the best parts of this movie are all the different <laughs> just cuts to other band members interacting with other band members. Totally. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's, they all have their by the own... end of it. There's what there's uh two, four, six, eight, eight nine. nine people up there, and yeah, some of them are just running around, and uh, yeah, uh, Steven. Like I think a... it's Steven Scales is the percussionist. Yeah, uh, he comes out and is hitting the cowbell and running around and playing He's... the big uh, assortment of. Uh... From a musical perspective, Steve Scales is the actual most i've ever heard a second percussionist add mm-hmm. to a band once he comes on and immediately hits like 
the he starts super with the, with loud the bongos. bongos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once they get into like you know burning down the house and stuff, his extra percussion on burning down the house, those huge like you know like oh, all these big that. clonking sounds yeah. and like they add so much depth and power to that song. Like I've never seen such a well used second percussionist mm-hmm. and second percussionists as a rule are cool. <laughs> Seeing a band with two drummers, that's fucking cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I've seen, you know, like, Kylesa had two drummers. They're a metal band. They got two drummers. That's cool. Anybody? Uh, hey. Grateful Dead's up there with two drummers. Like, oh, man, there's twice the drums. Dead can do it, too, y'all. Yeah. Dead, can do- Dead would have 10-minute songs per concert of just drums. Because <laughs> they got two drummers. They're showcasing these drums. They don't and know when to stop. So, obviously, obviously, second drummer's. Super cool. Super cool. Super cool. Uh, but this second drummer yeah. is the best utility player your team can have. He knew how to play all the weird, stupid second percussion, secondary percussion items. Yeah. And he became a hype man at the end, too. He did. He was getting the crowd clapping for uh, the for end like of it. For like one sentence. It was yeah. a really weird hype man. He's just, all right, we're doing this. <laughs> exactly. We were on the stage. And All then right. the mic goes right, right back to David. And, and here's David again, yeah. <laughs> back to David. Okay. <laughs> He's the only other dude that talks until, until you know, Chris France and him. There's only yeah, a few people with, uh, with full vocals. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other guitarist and vocalist, Alex Weir, is the other backup guy, and... Um, He's great. We, I don't He's think amazing. We've, we haven't talked about Jerry Harrison at all, really. No, both the guitarists. Yeah. Well, even David Burns' uh, guitar. Oh, yeah. This is all... I'm I'm um, So I'm just a big guitar fan in general, and just like two drum bands, two cool guitar bands, mm-hmm. that's a cool thing. When a <laughs> band has two cool guitarists, that's the best. You think the Allman Brothers, when they had Dickie Betts and Dwayne Allman. The Allman Brothers now, you Dickie. know, Dickie, Dickie, <laughs> Dickie, the Almonds, play it, Dickie. <laughs> God, that Beyond is, the Sorry. Beyond has haunted us through like four episodes now. <laughs> that is the real power of the Beyond. Oh man! But you know, uh, Derek Trucks is in the in the band now, and it's like that two cool guitars. You got Radiohead, you know, Ed O'Brien and uh, Johnny Greenwood. That's a totally different way to have two cool guitars in a band. Or Sonic Youth. Mm-hmm. You know? You get Lee Ronaldo, who I love as a guitarist. But then I love Thurston Moore as a guitarist, you know? So I love guitar bands with two cool guitarists. And Jerry Harrison and Alex Weir. But then you throw in David Byrne. You get a band with three cool guitarists. Yeah. They're all making... Go on. Oh, no. I was just... Burns doing acoustic guitar and electric and moving back and forth. Harrison's moving back and forth between keyboards and t- it just I just love seeing just these guys making noise on different things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just wherever <laughs> they need to make noise. The way when th- all three of them would be on guitar, guitar, they all had these different manners of nobody was stepping on each other. It has to be the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. They were all so complimentary, and I love you know sometimes. Jerry Harrison would fall back and just be doing simple, like, little scratch picking. Because, like, they all knew when their cool moments to shine were going to be. Totally. So when yeah. Jerry Harrison's just making kind of background rhythm noise, that's when he's over dancing with the girls. Uh-huh. And doing their routines. They're doing their little back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has the best bits. Everybody's got their own routines with everybody. It's amazing. Exactly, I've never yeah. seen people making this much music this good. 
and this fun. I've never seen people having this much fun <laughs> making music. Exactly. It's I, like up for people, but impossibly organic and sincere. And it's it make, it's one of those things, again, it's infectious. It makes you want to have that fun. It makes I, I wish I loved anything as much as they love playing this music, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, right. as happy as they are. I don't understand these emotions. <laughs> <laughs> you like this? <laughs> uh, there you go. Stop making sense. Should we do our, our uh, set list? Man, I still feel like I want to talk about Alex Weir more. Uh, feel free he was what a, else he uh, got i i knew the band the the brothers johnson mm-hmm. which he was in uh but i only knew that by accident because that was like my friend steve was in the columbia what was it the cd club oh yeah columbia absolutely. house columbia house uh and they randomly sent him like five brothers johnson cds <laughs> Like, man, they're really stuff was such a scam. They're really pushing the Brothers Johnson this month. And uh, so it just became like a dumb in-joke. Mm-hmm. It was another in-joke related to high school and this movie. Um, but Alex Weir is freaking dynamite. He had so much depth, not just with his guitar, which he has a couple of ripping solos, which reminded me of uh, Nile Rodgers, the chic guitarist Hmm. that disco era gunslinger guitar where he can make all these great laser sounds with just the way he has you know the way he's tuned yeah he and the way he was playing was like his hands were just blurs at at some point he would just have the rhythm hand just going like he's uh strumming like a ukulele or something the whole time super fast then he's yeah he's just wow 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 on the his movement is insane but it was clear it's it was like not a slot it was yeah and how clean he got it when when you we've mentioned Crazy. how sincere this movie is and i think there's some of the evidence of how much of an ego free production this was mm-hmm. was if david byrne really had an ego about his performance he would not have invited somebody like alex weir to also tour with him because that guy is like a show stealer he is doing the same cardio that david byrne's doing yep he was he was sweating he is he Everybody is. Oh, yeah. This, this movie is exhausting. <laughs> These people are working so hard to make this music. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And they look like they live to be working this hard to make this music. That's that's what I mean. It's like they look like they're working hard. They are obviously exerting massive amount of energy, but they are also so natural in their element that yeah. everything looks just flawless and not practiced or rehearsed but just you know this thing had to be rehearsed for it had to be had rehearsed to be. for months oh. i don't actually know what the process was to uh i know they con- i know concept to yeah i mean i i only really read uh about the fact that this was filmed over like four nights of, of mm-hmm. doing the show and stuff yeah. but as far as the actual putting the show together i haven't uh, looked into that yet mm-hmm. but um i can only imagine that it was one of those things where David Byrne just seems like a musical auteur. Yeah. As, as uh, you know, the same as if a director is going to have every shot detailed and every <laughs> bit of clothing right. He's yeah. going to have every note and oh, every yeah. movement exactly how he wants it. it he, he's it, not just saying, yeah, and then you'll just run or do some steps or whatever. He's like, and then on the left beat, you're going to do this. And then on the right, you know, it's like. Yeah, it felt like this variation, that, kind, that same genre of art rock that... Uh, you know, I listen to Captain Beefheart 
Mm. You know, and his album Trout Mask replica is this insane, you know, it sounds like just random noise being played, but these are guys that practiced under slave conditions 18 hours a day to make their music sound so not so rehearsed but not rehearsed right and there's that same level of intensity in stop making sense where it's like they had to you don't just accidentally look that in step exactly with eight or nine people and now you don't fall backwards into that these guys put hours in and And uh, it doesn't feel like people repeating a performance though exactly it's no it It flows uh, so naturally but yeah you definitely know that they that Every detail is covered. Yeah. For it, sure. It's amazing. But yeah, favorite performances. This is tough because there are 16 distinct performances. 16 uh, songs uh, in the film, right? And I say distinct because every performance is very unique mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. No, no uh, thing is done twice, right? You know, the way the lighting is and the way, you know, it, there's one song that has a prop that you'll never see again, or you have the red background for the one song, the blue background. Yeah, everything's yeah, got everything, its own feel. It has its own for sure. complete different tone, mm-hmm. which is incredible. How can you be the same band and create these like 16 distinct flavors? You know, some have slight slighter variations than others, but they are all different views. So, <sighs> having to rank them. We want to do a top five. An off the cuff top five. Off the, it's pretty off the cuff, but yeah, I think a top five. I think it'd be off easier to. It's more fun to go from five down to one, but I think just for purposes of elimination, mm-hmm. I have to go from the top down. If that's so less need, exciting for a reveal, but I think I need to figure you need out. Need to my, go one first. One first. I okay. Think. Okay. So what's we your, work from the top down. What's your? What is your favorite performance? Your favorite moment? Your favorite song? Favorite song? For, yeah. If this is just covering. Everything about each. I'm taking each song as its own scene, and uh, that's how we're doing this, right? Sounds good to me. Okay. Yeah. So you can. It's part of the ranking is not just the song, but just the scene in general, the mood and the tone and sure. everything around it. And my number one would be "This Must Be the Place." Naive yes. Melody. That is the one with the lamp. The one. The lamp. <laughs> lamp dance would be. Uh, would be my number one. Hmm. I. I love it. It's one of my favorite Talking Heads songs, and the version, and this is true of a couple songs in the movie, the version in the movie is far and away my favorite version of the song, like as opposed to the uh, version on Speaking in Tongues. I could see that. The version in the movie is my favorite version of the song. I think it's a really beautiful performance, Mm -hmm. and I think... Uh, the way everybody's behaving and the somber kind of tone in it it's sweet it's somehow it's able to convey all these little things in one tight little performance i don't know it's my favorite is that what's your number one uh that man it's kind of like um, i got to just now argue for for this one as the number yeah what i'm not gonna top that so now you just go uh, this other one. Uh, I really like, Moving um... on. <laughs> yeah, so that's unfair, but uh... I think my favorite, if I had to say, would be I, I'll, I'll just start with "Take Me to the River." I think, mm. as to me, it's a, it's kind of weird that they have one more song after that because I feel like that is the conclusion of everything. Yeah, that is... that's a song that people know more than uh, yeah. you know. Feel it does feel like a closer. 
it feel it feels like it's a great closer because it is kind of this again gospel baptism uh, after everything that's happened and you kind of have him coming around again to the the purity of it i think it's such a pure way to have wrapped it up i love the uh the last last song too but Take me to the river. But that, I'll, take I'll me say, to the river is the number. I'll say one. that's. I'll say for me that is a satisfying culmination of everything that comes before it, it put is. into it's one. Ca- it's cathartic. Big, yeah, exactly. Coming at the end, it is is cathartic, and I guess we will. Is that is that the second to last song? Sometimes, the, yeah. Sometimes the order does blur in my head. Um, there's definitely the the last last one is that I'm still waiting. Yeah. Do, 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 uh, cross-eyed kind of, and painless. Uh, yeah, that that one that that is that a, kind of fades it's out. It's a bold mood to to go. I love how they go big. They go out big. They take us down that step, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, we're bringing up the conga drums Just one again." More. Yeah, this exactly. Fast ass drum and these jungle beats are starting up, man. You're getting chased by cannibals. The world music elements he captures so well it's totally. so good so okay number two huh i my number two would probably be heaven okay second song in the movie great song i think it's a beautiful song yeah i love it so much as one of my favorite lyrics i love the uh i just love heaven is a place where nothing really happens mm-hmm. this idea of a paradise that uh you know might not be everything you want or also even the there's another kind of part in that song about saying how you couldn't imagine that nothing would be so great mm-hmm. and just imagining that like yeah yeah cool it, take on it it's for a sure. beautiful sentiment and Tina Weymouth who's again I'm not a person who notices the bassist a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> in bands you know right um, it's easier to notice guitar it's harder to notice bass. I couldn't take my eyes off her bass playing throughout this whole movie. She has so much feeling in there, and I just love love the notes she plays. And and, and in expression this song, and it's, yeah, it's just David Byrne and Tina Weymouth, and it's I've never seen simple guitar and bass and nothing else used as effectively. Mm-hmm. Nothing else, just them, their voices, and you know, it, it's a really beautiful performance. So that's my number two. Nice. I will say uh, my number two will probably be uh, This Must Be The Place. Okay. Because that is definitely one of my favorites. And I wanted to, I agree I wanted to I, sing with along with that say, one, man. I, I kind of was. Uh, <laughs> luckily, thought, it was loud. I couldn't tell. Luckily, I it, was, I heard it was loud. Um, be- Especially at first. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I hear a little in the beginning. For sure. I couldn't tell. It was so loud. And then I was like, there. I probably shouldn't be yelling Yeah, in the mo- middle of the movie. Really? But- so I, I had to go, uh, I had to use the restroom during the movie. Mm-hmm. And I I knew it was loud, right from Psycho Killer. It's like, oh, he did it. You yep. cranked this noise. Yeah, it's like, bam, bam. So I, I, I'm i dancing down the aisle way, because I couldn't <laughs> help it. I wanted to get up and jog during, you know, six songs into this. Exactly. I wanted to move so bad. We're in these fucking recliners. <laughs> and I, want, I wanted to just be like jumping up more than I've ever jumped up at any concert, you know? <laughs> And so I'm dancing my way down the aisle, and I get I open the door, and the door swings out into this movie theater aisle, and the sound just fucking blasts right <laughs> out the door. It's like a tunnel. So loud. you And everybody in the hallways turned their heads to look at this new <laughs> blasting noise they just heard, and it startled a man that was closest <laughs> to the door. 
That's they so walked good. by this door and suddenly the loudest music they'd heard all day was yelling at them That's down this road. It was so loud. I didn't realize we were in... We, you and I were third row on purpose. Yes. But with the stadium seats, it's not like you're right up yeah. there. It was actually the perfect spot. But, but yeah. we were still looking it was up great. to see it. Uh-huh. We wanted to be as close as possible while being as comfortable as possible. Row three is the scientific proven spot. It's proven. Don't argue. Yeah, don't. You can't argue it. That's a, we've yeah, researched. It's this. a theory. Yeah. And so we were dead center, row three, looking up at this happening, and oh my gosh, there I want. You go. Yeah. So it was just blasting. So okay. So yeah, this must be the places. I thought. Yeah. I thought, I'll do I, that heard, I, thought I heard you into that. Oh one. yeah. I thought I heard you singing. I love it. Impossible not to. And we must point out, we were not jerks for interacting with this movie. This is oh, a no, theater no, no. interacting joyously with a movie. Everybody was clapping along, like you said. Um, I'm sure other people were singing along. And yeah, it was. It was. Sound it was so loud. Sound you, doesn't you totally really... travel in there, and the movie was super loud. Yeah, you. Yeah, we weren't bothering anybody. <laughs> All right, you're number three. <sighs> this is where it's going to get tricky. Now we got only th- only three left to choose. It's going to make the cut. I am going. Life during wartime. Okay. This ain't no party. Because that's when... This ain't no disco? Yeah. This this ain't no fooling around. Because this song is where the freaking cardio really kicks in. Totally. In this movie. And I I love the energy level that they hit in this song. This is when the freaking high-intensity sweating cardio in sync really kicks in. And it's amazing to watch. And it sounds cool, too. But once he takes off running and he's running perfectly in time with the beats, when the drums pick up, that's when he sprints around a corner. And then he, you know, and then they're all just high stepping together. Those not, high steps. Oof. Not just high stepping. High stepping while flawlessly playing. True. Yeah. <laughs> you know? While just killing it. I love. I just had the visual of uh, of it sounding like just complete dog <laughs> shit. <laughs> Yeah, and they cleaned like, up every single note of it in post. Right. In live, it's just them running while it's just like, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> None of the instruments are actually plugged in. Yeah. yeah. None of, all of it just sounds terrible. It's all just like, all right, yeah, yeah, we can record all of this later. Don't worry. Yeah, that's oh, great. Lo- I, was, I am now going to become a stop making sense truther. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm jumping off my Stevie Wonder isn't he doesn't actually mean blind it, thing. I'm he jumping mean into it. stop making sense truth. No, that one is truth, but no, no, that's definitely true. I've I've convinced myself Stevie's, that I can move on to this one. That's great. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. All right. So I so yeah. Uh, life during life wartime. During war I think time. just for the 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 craziness that it suddenly unleashes. Beautiful is too good. I look forward to it too much every time. So what's your what's your three? I'm gonna go uh, number three. I'm gonna give it to Slippery People. Oh, because that one has kind of uh, that's when I first fell in love with both uh, Lynn and uh, Edna mm. as the backup vocalist doing that. All right, oh, that's a it's such Dude. a good one. And the and the way they interact with him in that chorus is was just like yes. That's that was that's rare. their was just really best. Like, that's where it really kicks into groove. Mm-hmm. Because then you've got burning down the house life during wartime, and then it's just like you're off to the races. So there you go. Yeah, that all the uh, call and response 
yes uh between burn and the girls was among the best parts of the movie totally there, that was i think my favorite showcase of their uh singing abilities in i the agree movie. and that's a good uh that's a good pick given yeah given that one strictly for the for the that's ladies. a really good uh meaty performance mm. from you know that just totally. shows a, a different little little heft to them i mean it's and for all of the kind of people who aren't the main four in the band it could have been so easy to just have them off to the side and just be voices but to have them so present on the stage next to them not behind them or backing them in any way but as equals uh yeah makes it so much more communal lynn and edna are they're in the race for if we're ranking people they're (laughs) too fun but we as has been pointed out they do also have a buddy to play off of which can be an unfair advantage. <laughs> so it's tough when Fair we're enough. coming. We're when we're inevitably going to rank all the people in the movie. We're going to do it live. They might have to be ranked as one. Yeah, they're like Sherry that's, and Terry. That's too tough. <laughs> um, all right, you're number four. Boy, only two left. Um, What's it going to be? Burning down the house. Nice. That's um. We now have a full band. Mm-hmm. And that's when it just kicks up a level of energy and intensity. And that is just like uh, this must be the place. This is my favorite version of Burn Down the House because it has a straight up yelled power totally. that the single does not have. I agree with he that. He is yelling into that into that mic and he is like coming up aggressively <laughs> to the mic he is aggressively burning down it is house. not just that it's him and everybody on stage yelling burning down the house whenever mm-hmm. it got to that line and everybody would be moving everywhere on the stage yet everybody came perfectly back in time every time to the mic to hit burning down the house together mm-hmm. and it's just like you see this immediate cohesion and this group power of all of them yelling the same thing. And it's just like, oh, it's the craziest, biggest, best version of the song. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that's and that's like fifth or sixth song in yeah. to the movie. And so it's just suddenly, oh, ba- like they're just hitting you in the face now. <laughs> the quiet stuff's over for Non-stop. a bit. Stop. We are now into this area. Exactly. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my four. That's my four. Nice. Uh, my number four is going to be Girlfriend is Better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, two words, big coat. Yeah. that's uh, It's undeniable. It's the, crazy. The, the big that outfit comes out. You're, we're, we're thankfully it, I guess done with the Tom Tom Club. I guess it's crazy we haven't gotten to the big coat until one of our uh, four yeah. picks. Yeah. For, for the image that you'd have to say is the most iconic part of it. Exactly. Within pop culture, the big suit is what the movie is known for exactly if you yeah. know one thing about it it's big suit it's a big suit and uh yeah it's on the poster it's it's yeah all the parodies are about the big suit i think it's great and it's just uh that's a, that's a great song it's iconic too. and it's a yeah. great it is a great song yeah yeah that's the thing it's not a it's not the best gimmick of the show paired with uh, a lighter tune it's a good song mm-hmm. it was the song and it's important because yes it is after the Tom Tom Club. It is, as <laughs> you said, back on the Tom Tom Club uh, went away, and they became the Talking Heads again. Exactly. And uh, you got to obviously just because the Tom Tom Club is such 
you can argue positively or negatively what kind, but it is a definite tonal shift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said, unexpected. Unexpected, a bit jarring Yeah. to others. Yeah. But, uh, uh, whether yeah. you like that about it or dislike that about <laughs> it, I'm a I'm a pro. But you yep. need to come back with like a a powerful banger and big suit coupled with girlfriend is better because that is another one that plays great mm-hmm. in this live version. Another one just like kind of like burn down the house, just like a yelling pop song. Yeah, we kind of a darkness to it. There is. There's a couple songs with some darkness in yeah. here and you know just seeing him uh kind of wheel coming this nerd in other songs but then yielding this kind of like vocal power mm-hmm. and intensity in something like this is a crazy shift totally and like, he's doing that and then also kind of still doing like a chicken head dance yeah a little he bit. can just go yeah. from dweeb to like he's he's an incredible front man uh i've I remember reading a story, uh, a quote, like a story from Brian Eno. Mm-hmm. Good friends with David Byrne, obviously. They're Both close. The crazy, and impressive artists. Eno gets uh, co-wrote, co-songwriting credit on uh, some of those songs. Yeah. Uh, Once in a Lifetime and uh, that last one, Cross-Eyed and Painless. Yeah, so not just two of them, but uh, two, 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 big the ones. two that have uh, appeared on our the list so far. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great hearing him talk about how burn is exactly who he is oh sure just <laughs> yeah you hope this so guy yeah this is not a routine this is this guy and he is using his weird ability to do exactly what he's doing and he shared the story about when the two of them were mugged hmm. in new york and it's like david Byrne and brian eno and like five muggers and he says they're dragging david Byrne off like into the bushes to rob these two and burns just going like uh oh uh oh <laughs> you can picture can david burn in this movie being him and doing those same kind of faces and like prop comedy level yeah. stuff and then he wrote psycho killer yeah, yeah. <laughs> while getting mugged it's like this guy wow. is who he is And so, yeah, him coming out with the big suit. And we talked about this afterwards because I saw, I think the Blu-ray has like the original sketches, the the fashion sketches Uh of designing the suit. And it's like this whole rig where he's because he's suddenly wearing these 44 waist pants. Right. You know, these square cut boxy pants and all those little windsock movements in this giant <laughs> tiny, tiny suit. little feet coming out of the bottom of them yeah i like when he kicks off the giant suit jacket and he's kind of holding it over his shoulder while just now wearing a gigantic <laughs> short sleeve uh, button-up shirt there's so many great moments with just everybody's faces and movements it's, yeah. it's a movie to find constant favorite moments in and yes girlfriend is better big suit it's gotta it's iconic. love it gotta love it uh, so now I guess my number five. Yep. Last one. Well, Girlfriend, Girlfriend is Better was one of the contenders. Okay. I wrote down seven that I that I knew I wanted to represent. Sounds like cheating. So I knew okay. two no, would uh, get the boot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wild card. Yeah. What's it going to be? You're going to think I'm an idiot. Probably. <laughs> it's genius of love. 
Uh huh. I knew you would do that. Alone. I knew it. It was the other one was cross-eyed and painless. <sighs> I knew you were gonna go tom tom on me. <laughs> that, so yeah, it was between those. Now you're three. against me. <laughs> uh, between those three, I um, it really it's it's the um, it's the really like line in the sand moment. I think for a lot of people, I was um. So when I saw it with my sister, she loved it so much, and she was laughing at his, all of his dumb jokes, sure. all his dad barbecue jokes. Oh my um, god! Fucking and so France. then uh, I hadn't watched it in like a group before, and it was kind of a awakening for me because I didn't anticipate everybody in the room hating <laughs> Genius of Love no the idea. way they did. Uh, it was literally the only complaint anybody had when we were done with the movie. Mm-hmm. It was always like that. You know, I didn't really listen to the Talking Heads that much before, but that was that was amazing. And then, well, except for, <laughs> and I was like sitting there, like, oh no. <laughs> Every, what was every, up with the James Brown every, song? Who was that dweeb? Was, why did they you, let the drummer talk? Charlie went so far as to be like, see. This is why they never show what happens to this band when David Byrne isn't. Uh, where you immediately credited David Byrne with like ninety-seven percent of their well, success. He's clearly the only one in the band yeah. who knows what immediately he's doing. Forgot every... Oh, they co-wrote all their songs. Okay. Oh, they all wrote them. Uh, Eagle. Oh, well, uh, that probably was a contract. Whatever. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, and I was sitting there just expecting, like, oh man, everybody's gonna love Chris Franz. Turns out. Chris France needs to grow on some people. Chris <laughs> France uh, needs to wear you Honestly, down a little bit. It's the it's the whole package with the turquoise clothes that no one else is wearing that same. He's just he sticks out a bit. I think is what can, it is. Can we talk about the costume change? Which is one of my which is a low key top moment for me. Okay, I don't attach it to a specific song because it feels like its own magic snap moment. Because it's obviously movie magic. <laughs> we see, you know, this is where the, the screen goes black and the random combinations of words sure, 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 sure. start getting thrown up on the board. I'm sure in reality at the concerts, those were like maybe a five-minute break. Right. And we got a little edited cut. Or they opted to show the first half of one concert and the second half of one concert. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. It felt like such a... They felt so connected and on that, I mean, I guess it's possible for that to have happened over two nights. I don't know. I kind of, it's it's kind of my Santa Claus moment. I don't want to know too much about how they cut this movie. Right. My brain wants to think that they did that costume change live. And my brain wants to think that this was a 90 minute, 10 out of 10, every note hit Start perfectly to front, performance. Right, every time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want... I want to have that. You know what? In the movie, it happens, so it's true. Yeah, for the movie, I want that to be true. That's that's the truth. And so I want of the to film. believe that absolutely. But I love the costume change as a moment because I wasn't expecting it the very first time I saw it. Yeah, you don't expect them to come on and everybody wearing similar but different clothing. Chris yeah. France now has a brown polo. He has the brown. He I went turquoise to brown. Complimentary, sensible, complimentary sensible. colors on the color wheel. I appreciate. It. Yeah, he gets better when he goes to brown. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> he does. He kind of fits does seem more, more in. Dad. Yeah, it's just too much. Brown seems at least a little more of a fashion choice. Yeah, Tina's 
costume change is amazing. Yeah, she, she she turns into Tina Turner from Beyond Thunderdome. She does. It's good. It's crazy. She, she has her like romper. Yeah, her, her kind of futuristic box cut romper in the in the first half, and then when she cuts to the like. The romper got shredded by jet fuel flames, <laughs> and you're wearing cool stockings, and like, oh, cool! It's like it's Tina shows up like punk rock to punk rock new wave to school. Yeah, she was Tina cool. changed over summer, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, Alex Weir and Jerry Harrison they kind of go through various different bomber jacket kind of mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. looks. Bernie Warrell gets some weird new sweatpant material. Yeah, he, he has different sweat cuts. He was he must have insisted on sweat material only. Yeah. yeah. He was wearing like baggy sweat genie pants with his like <laughs> just I, with yeah. his sleeveless zip up sweatshirt. All and it was like Stay Puff Marshmallow Man white. <laughs> and then I think it got vaguely pink. Like his costume change was just like uh I tried not to look at him honestly after he <laughs> You were uncomfortable I with the fucked he me. I, yeah his eyeballs were staring a hole through you. It was too much. It was he too was, much. He, was, like you know what I'm going to He yeah. was targeting you. That was intense. I don't hate you Bernie but woof. But yeah. Coming on strong. The uh I guess there's uh, I I would laugh at these people if they made this criticism. But if you did somehow not get captured by this movie and thought it was self-serious, hmm. sometimes it's an easy defense mechanism for people to criticize art that's really good by saying, oh, well, it's pretentious. Right. Like, well, maybe it's just really good and it deserves to be serious sometimes. You know, it's an easy way to criticize, even if it's not always accurate. So maybe some people could say that. And so I guess I like the genius of love inclusion because... It's them at their silliest. They, yeah, exactly. It, they're no, they're, no, they're it, crab walking around. They don't yeah. care. Yeah, no, they're crab I, walking. They're making silly jokes. They're doing funny shadow dancing. And it's like the four to five minutes of the whole 16 song set where they're just being silly. Totally. And making silly music. I so get I kinda, it. That, that's why I... I'll give it to you for that. That's why I like the inclusion as one of my favorites. Fair enough. So yeah. Agree to disagree. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you didn't convince me. Never... Uh, I'll just say my my number five is uh, Psycho Killer because I also love that version of that song, mm-hmm. uh, the acoustic version. We put it in the opening credits, man. It's uh, it's so cool, and I think it's yeah. just a great great tune to hear him do it by himself with just him and that that backing track. And uh, it's great. I love the it, whole. I just love the full art concept of it. Yeah, I just love it. It's it's the impetus for everything. It starts. Uh, exactly once you hear uh you see this big empty dumb looking set <laughs> you know with rigging up in the background yeah it just you're, looks you're, like, you're seeing like scaffolding and, and all this stuff yeah, in the back I, I can only imagine what the audience coming there was thinking yeah they're like there's no there's nothing on stage there's nothing on stage yeah, there's not there's even no curtains backdrop there's nothing yeah you're seeing like a stage that looked like it Oh yeah, the curtains got burned in a fire. Is this the they're... right? Yeah, is this the right venue? Yeah, and it's just I love that ugliness that keeps growing. And Psycho Killer has so many. Yeah, it's a great version of the song. It's the tape bit is just super fun. Yeah, just really cool. just a cool concept. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, exactly. I got a tape I want. Like he's just accompanying himself and his movements, the stuttering and staggering around with when the tape. Yeah, skip kind of happens, 
That's so funny. That's a funny bit. That's the kind of thing that your freaking grandparents would would kill. You know, like right. that's like a '30s kind of bit. No, when you said yeah, Buster Keaton and stuff, it's very much that. Yeah, he's got this old kind of vaudevillian yeah angle to yeah, it almost. It's it's ridiculous. So yeah, Psycho Killer just starting it off. So now I'm curious what we we can determine where our least favorite part of the show is now by. Because <laughs> we have what songs one and two represented in our top five: Psycho yeah. Killer in Heaven, and then we have Burning Down the House and Life During Wartime, and that's not long after that. And uh, Slippery People is right before. And right before, so we Burning have Down like, the House. So we have like five, six, so, and seven. Yeah. So, so we have one, two, five, six, seven. Split one, among two, our five, six, seven. So that would seem to point that this show really peaks early, and yet this movie always ends way earlier than i expect it to flies by like i was yeah. uh you know like well be- i i always thought the tom tom club stuff comes much earlier mm-hmm. it's like the That's... fourth to last <laughs> yeah. song yeah, i've seen this i movie... thought it was right in the middle yeah. or something i've seen this probably like six or seven times and i'm still surprised by the order yeah <laughs> i'm still like oh this one's now <laughs> oh cool exactly oh, this one's happening now like i don't know it shouldn't i i've seen it a lot and it's always the same order and yet, every time I'm just like, "Is this where they ended on?" <laughs> oh no, they still oh, have one more. Yeah, it's still cross-eyed and painless, of course. <laughs> and it's because it's all so good throughout that you lose track of time. And then mm-hmm. so many of the songs do feel like I don't know. They're all well, and a lot of the songs. I mean, not that they sound the same, but they really lend to one leading into the other. Yeah, and the, it's they've... a pretty impeccable front to back. Yeah programming even if it's not you know because we didn't really so you know uh eight nine and ten is you know making flippy floppy whatever you know swamp i'm like i'm not sure if i could sing those right now off the top of my head which ones those are but right. in I'll the moment when i hear them. in the moment yeah you're like oh yeah one of those is probably the one where he when where you do we get all their all red set where he rises out of his coffin i think that yeah which is a great moment that might That's be the thing. a Even swamp, yeah. The, uh-huh. Yeah. You rank whatever our least favorite song is on this one, which, God, I don't, I'm not I don't doing want to do that. I don't know if I could I do that. I don't think I could. Because it's Genius of Love. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to say what it is. I mean, I don't want to go there, but it's Genius of Love. <laughs> but fucking, it's 100% definitely this Tom one. Tom Club. Um, <laughs> so even in whatever people's personal worst number 16 song is one of them has to be number 16 yeah you know? one of them has to be there there had to be a worst tarantino movie when we did that list there has to be but even within whatever that song might be i guarantee you the person that has it as their number 16 has a moment in that song that they like there has to be moments in genius of love even if it was your number 16 that you are into uh, when Tina goes, what you gonna do when you get out of jail? <laughs> yeah, right? With that face. Her face I is love during her. that She song. is actually great in it. Or amazing. France is doing his best to <laughs> muck it up the whole time. But she is carrying it. And her and the, and the, and the two uh, backup <laughs> yeah. singers are just... I get the line, step into the party with Curtis Blow in my head all the time. And it's because of the way she says it. Yeah. She says it so catchy. And then it's immediately followed up by Lynn and Edna. Exactly. You know? No, they're all great. They all is, all the notes are so catchy, but her face is so expressive and fun in that song. Exactly. So 
even if that did land at number 16 for you. Still good. It still has all of that. Still good. So yeah, it's the best. I don't know. Uh, we were talking about this earlier in the scope of, because uh, I always kind of privately rank movies. Any movie I see, I kind of I make note of it so mm-hmm. I at least have a log of what I've seen and when i saw it you thrive on competition i love it (laughs) i just it's for my own reference like oh i haven't seen this movie in six years Mm -hmm. and then it's a good way to remember what movies i saw with people and but i also rank them within their own year in all my stupid word documents (laughs) i'm thinking of 1984 and it sounds like the worst uh gun to head decision ever with Stop Making Sense, The Terminator, Blood Simple. And then you got like Streets of Fire. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I couldn't, I don't know how I'd make that decision. 1984 is just impossible for me. How do you compare Stop Making Sense? Well, exactly. That's why I, to, it's hard for me to, to imagine wanting to like rank Stop Making Sense versus The Terminator. You the can't ter- come <laughs> up with m- oh more. My gosh. You don't want to be a part of diametrically any opposed that tries to, films. Oh. Yeah. Because they both do. Let them live exact, in harmony. Terminator, Stumming Sense, Blood Symbol. I mean, even Streets of Fire, which. Streets of Fire. I, anybody I've shown that to, I think, has fallen for that movie. You were like that. Oh, I love it. The Streets of Fire episode I love will it. be an epic one. Oh, man. But those films all did exactly what they set out to do so beautifully in my mind. And they all achieved it perfectly and what it achieved was something that i love to see because i love blood symbol i love the term i love i have no idea how i would pick a favorite out of those two because well, while because during the 90 minutes that i spend watching stop making sense i genuinely do not care if any movie exists outside of this movie yeah i understand <laughs> it that feels notion. like the greatest cinematic you, you, achievement you don't want to be anywhere more than you want to be right there <laughs> exactly. watching that there's nothing i'd rather be seeing and hearing than this right now totally it's so perfect oh it's the best Ugh. Ugh. go see it guys go see it come on see it any way you can i love it this uh, is the kind of film that would play in the better the copy is but i think the energy and the joy would just get through on no matter how old beat up and ugly a print is right it's too good to, too to be good. taken down too blessed to be stressed go see it tell us what your favorite song is I, yeah. I, i'd be curious any to opinions hear. yeah I'd any opinions you feel might be left of the dial i'm curious on there you go you know you hate this song you contrarians sure, out there i'm what's sure it there's gonna be? there's got just law numbers somebody out there has this must be the place as their number 16 it has to I don't believe there could be a 100% perfect. Prove so me Somebody wrong. out there has it. <laughs> and I'm really curious to know why. There you go. But yeah, it's a movie I will talk about at length with anybody anytime. Yeah, guys, don't test him. He'll do it. Don't, I'll do it. He'll do I'll it right do now. It, He'll do it. We Hold just did back. it. He'll do it again. Hold me back. We already <laughs> did it once today. But yeah, so it's come to this. It's come to this. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Soon. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie.